BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ever thought about owning a piece of history? Introducing the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition silver coin celebrates the historic Republican victory in 1994, marking a turning point in American politics. Give a gift with real historical weight this season. Order now at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. On this episode of Newt's World, a new documentary series capturing... The Day-to-Day Struggles of New York City Residents is now available on YouTube, entitled, This is New York, directed by my guest, Matthew Taylor. This is New York addresses the major issues New Yorkers are facing. The series features interviews with New York City residents about the city's worst problems, including skyrocketing crime, random assaults, stabbings, and shootings that have hurt the already struggling restaurant and tourism industries. The decline in quality of life from higher taxes, increased homelessness, and the exodus of entrepreneurs is addressed, as well as the difficult situations faced by low-income families forced into low-quality public schools. The series is meant to raise awareness about the economic, social, and safety issues facing the city and to demonstrate the strength of New York's people. I'm really pleased to welcome my guest, filmmaker Matthew Taylor. Let me start, if I could, with how you have conceptualized this whole approach to New York and what you're trying to accomplish with it. I've been in the city for the last almost a decade, and my family worked in the city from 1986 to 1995. And so I have a perspective of the city as a child that was dangerous and dingy. It's the perspective that a lot of older people have now of New York City. But, you know, 
after a certain time, people came in and changed the city around. It had a completely different trajectory. And as Fred Siegel says, the city was shown that it could be governed. And so seeing the city slide towards what seems to be what I saw as a child motivated me to want to put together you know, a series of projects, use my skill set, so that people can have an understanding of where the city is heading so that it hopefully doesn't head that way in the future. I share your sort of sense of history. I remember the decay of New York to a point where it seemed almost ungovernable. Tourism was collapsing. People didn't feel comfortable going into the city. And then along came Giuliani, and he brought in Chief Phil Breton. And in two years, they turned the whole thing around. I mean, it was astonishing. And they both written books about it. And the city was on a trajectory to get healthier and healthier, safer and safer, more and more prosperous. And when Mayor Bloomberg came in, he basically continued the same policies. And then all of a sudden, you get de Blasio, and as part of, I think, a national movement away from everything that works towards everything that fails. And it was kind of remarkable. So when you decided you're going to try to communicate what's happening in New York, you really do it in large part by letting New Yorkers themselves talk. Well, you know, New York City is its people. You know, people go, oh, New York City is the buildings and New York City is the culture and so on and so forth. But you remember, there's more than just Manhattan. New York City is large. It's five boroughs. And a lot of the flavor that has bloomed from the city that's been around, I mean, it's older than the United States itself, comes from its citizens. And so it was important to talk to people on the ground. New York City is a surface city. It's a city that you take the subway, you walk out to your bodega, you interact with your neighbors in a very dynamic way. So you have this kind of visceral connection. You know, other cities you get in cars and you go from point A to point B. New York City, you come out of your very small apartment and you explore, you change directions on a whim. And so to understand that and to translate it to people who don't live in a pedestrian style city, you have to talk to the people who live in the neighborhoods. And, you know, we went out to, I think all five boroughs are represented. We went to the far distant parts of Queens. I mean, what people don't realize is there's parts of New York City that look like everyday suburbs, but they are in New York City, you know, the far parts of Bronx, the far parts of even Brooklyn. And so it was important to go to those places to film those places, to make that trek across miles and miles of buildings in various places so that the voice of all New Yorkers was represented throughout the project. Did you find any concerns about physical safety just with the dramatic rise in crime? You know, it's interesting because I had been traveling for a little bit and had come back to the city to work on the project. And Even in the short amount of time while I had been on the road, the city had declined. And so when I went to the outer boroughs, I went to Brownsville, where there's been a number of incidents. I went to Tilden House. I went to Far Rockaways. I went to South Bronx with the NYCHA housing. And to be honest with you, where I actually witnessed the most threatening incident was actually in Midtown. Midtown Manhattan, 51st and 3rd. My wife and I and two friends had just had dinner. We were standing on the side of the street. We're at 51st and a brawl broke out in front of us and a gentleman 
said he was going to pull something out of his bag to deal with the, the store owner. And for a moment, that 1991 part of my brain kicked in and I nearly threw my wife to the ground and his friends tackled him and it became an incident. And in all the years I've been there, I've never witnessed something that could have potentially slid in such a bad direction. And I witnessed it at 51st and 3rd, right? This wasn't in the NYCHA housing of South Bronx. This wasn't in some distant part of Queens. This wasn't in any part of Brooklyn. It was literally three feet in front of me. And that was kind of a testament that Midtown has taken a severe beating between COVID, riots, and now just complete mismanagement by leadership in the city. Why do you think it affected Manhattan more than the other boroughs? To imagine that Manhattan, which had been the center of prosperity, would now become a place that's endangered. And I remember watching the riots on TV and people on Fifth Avenue deliberately going around breaking into stores and stealing and what have you. Do you think it'll recover? What's interesting is during the pandemic and the lockdown, we would go out at certain times. And it's interesting because if you went into Harlem, or you went into parts of the Bronx, or you went into parts of Brooklyn, people kept continuing their lives as normal because they didn't have the luxury of being able to escape the city. And so the outer boroughs, I would say in many ways, currently speaking, because we went to all of them, there's more traffic, there's more business, there's more commerce and interaction. And the thing is, is Manhattan is 14 miles tall. It's roughly two miles wide and it's large as 34 square miles. It's actually not that big. And most people think of Midtown as 60th Street down to, say, 14th Street or 23rd Street, depending on who you ask. And so this is a business area. There are people who live there, plenty of apartment buildings, but there's a lot of businesses and people typically commute from these outer boroughs. And so those businesses have been shut down. And when the businesses are shut down, there's no reason to go there. People have learned to work from home. This has had a massive economic impact. And the outer boroughs, you know, where people weren't particularly visiting a lot anyway, just continued their lives. And in some ways, they have recovered better than Manhattan. And again, because if you think about it, at least in my building, 70% of my building had left during the pandemic. We did not leave. And a lot of people left Manhattan. They just actually physically left. And a lot of people are not coming back. For those people who didn't have that opportunity in Harlem and other places like that, they had no choice but to continue life as normal as possible. They had to try to keep their businesses going. And then they had to fight off looters and rioters, which made it worse. It's actually a fascinating kind of dynamic that the outer boroughs where people just have to do it will probably fare better. But again, at the current state, we've talked to police commissioner Bratton, and he thought that it could be 10 years before the city comes back because the damage is on an infrastructure level. It's undone policies and things that were put in place that made the city function from the base level up. And so to put those policies back into place to reinforce the infrastructure of how the city functions, which is largely what had happened in that period from Giuliani into Bloomberg, is very, very difficult. The amazing thing was that the Bratton-Giuliani reforms did survive. And it's interesting that the objective reality was they worked. I saw Bloomberg one time when he was mayor. I went by City Hall to chat with him. He said murders were down 85%. And he said jokingly, the safest city of 600,000 in America is called Staten Island. And he said 
the number of incidents are so few, they fall off the chart. He said, and the reaction of people in Staten Island is, send us more cops. <laughs> it's interesting, the, the very things that were working suddenly stopped working. And of course, if people don't go down to fill those high-rise office buildings, then the local restaurant, the local stand on the street suddenly faces a, a real collapse of customers, which has a huge impact on it. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Throughout history, there are clear moments that define our nation's path, and now you can own a piece of that history. I'm thrilled to announce the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition, one-ounce silver coin commemorates the historic victory in 1994 when the Republican Party, under my leadership, took control of Congress. The Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin also symbolizes the transformative political platform that led to landmark achievements like the overhaul of the welfare system and the Balanced Budget Act. This holiday season, give the gift of history. The Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin is more than an investment. It's a tribute to honest government and to America. Available to order right now by calling 866 866- 484-4043. That's 866-484-4043. Or order online at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Let me go to another topic you dealt with in a way that is even starker, and that's the rise of the homeless. What were you seeing in terms of homeless in New York? You know, it's interesting because New York City has always had that homeless population. They paid for homeless people to leave the city, go to Florida. Here's a $100 bus ride. I think what's interesting is that the homeless population has risen dramatically. And this is actually, I think, something that you're seeing across multiple major cities in the country. New York has always had a homeless problem, but but the thing about the homeless is that usually they were in certain places. They have largely taken over most parks. They've taken over large parts of Chinatown. And the same people who, you know, clearly don't want to fund the police and things like that still complain about the homeless when they're in the Upper West Side. And the Upper West Side is actually taking quite a beating on top of it, you know, the city has taken hotels and put homeless populations in the hotels all over the city. I think one of the issues was there was a number of dangerous sex offenders in one of the hotels in a neighborhood next to a school. And so there's been a kind of a proliferation of putting homeless rights above paying taxpayers' rights. And it's caused the population to explode. It's caused an aggression in certain places where they would not usually be. And of course, the problem is with all of the police reforms, the negative reforms, their presence isn't felt as much anymore. So I think a lot of homeless are people who have mental illness, which is not being dealt with. And so people being pushed in front of subways, people being harassed, a lot of these people really need help. These services are not there. The police are not there. You're on your own if you are dealing with an aggressive homeless individual. So it's definitely risen. I wouldn't say it's to the 1991 level because in 1991, You would go into Grand Central, I distinctly remember this, and the whole entire floor would be covered with homeless people sleeping inside because it's cold outside. It hasn't quite gotten to that level, but it very well can very quickly. When there's no businesses, when there's no people being vigilant on the streets, this is what happens. I remember in the early 90s going to New York because one of the great success stories had been cleaning up the New York Public Library and the park behind the library had become basically a wide open drug market. And it was ironic because the Rockefellers and the Carnegies and the Mellons and others had aunts who had an interest in the library and who communicated apparently strongly to the companies that their family owned that something would be done. And they created a private corporation working with the government. And they went in and actually cleaned up the whole area. So it became a, a nice place that you could go. And Friday nights had bands remarkably different from five years earlier because we were looking for models that would work. And what was striking was in almost every zone, there were models that worked. Although I don't know of any model that has particularly worked with the homeless. And first of all, the government policies now encourage it and subsidize it. 
But the explosion of homeless, I think, will become one of the big issues of the next few years because it's beginning to be both more aggressive and dramatically larger. Do you have any sense of what the turnaround would look like with the homeless? You know, unfortunately, I think that the trajectory of the city is in the direction of, again, going back to 1991. The homeless go to where they can panhandle, soup kitchens and things like that. One of the interesting things we observed was behind Penn Station, they have the new Penn Station, the Moynihan Terminal. And if you go to the Moynihan Terminal, it's just covered with homeless people. And then there's nobody in the terminal. Because clearly people are still nervous about the pandemic and the trains are complicated. And so I think that, again, until the enforcement of safety comes back, the homeless will be kind of a symptom of the sickness of the city. Because, look, at the end of the day, in New York City, you have to have safety in order for the citizens to thrive. It is the bedrock of a city of that size, 8.5 million people, 60 square miles, bridges, tunnels, a million people a day coming out over the subway just from the Jersey side. You have to have safety to build the society. And these will continue to be symptoms of the sickness of the city due to bad leadership and bad policy. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Throughout history, there are clear moments that define our nation's path, and now you can own a piece of that history. I'm thrilled to announce the Newt Gingrich contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition, one-ounce silver coin commemorates the historic victory in 1994 when the Republican Party, under my leadership, took control of Congress. The Newt Gingrich contract with America coin also symbolizes the transformative political platform that led to landmark achievements like the overhaul of the welfare system and the Balanced Budget Act. This holiday season, give the gift of history. The Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin is more than an investment. It's a tribute to honest government and to America. Available to order right now by calling 866-484-4043. That's 866-484-4043. 
866-484-4043 or order online at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. But also has tragically led to equally bad policies in education. What did you find when you were talking to people about education in New York? You know, education has a very interesting background in New York City. I love New York history. It's fascinating. Giuliani, when he came in, he wrestled number of various departments. Of course, there's crime, which is the most notorious, but there was sanitation. And of course, Anthony Coles tackled Cooney to bring it back with standards. But Giuliani never got control of the education board. That was the one thing that he could not get control of. But Bloomberg, in fact, did with the assistance of Joel Klein, who is actually in one of our videos. Joel Klein came from the Clinton camp into the city and he basically expanded charter schools. And, you know, when we discussed this with him, he brought up a really interesting point. He said, look, like if you're a middle class or upper class kid or family, you can choose your education. You don't have to go to this school. You can choose to go to that school. So why shouldn't other people have that option? You know, and he went and they got control of the education board and they tackled charter schools and he expanded it to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of charter schools and then implemented ways so that the charter schools could not be rolled back by the next administration. But of course, the next administration is not a fan of charter schools. They have signed all sorts of contracts with the teachers unions, which of course, I think have been somewhat exposed for what they really are during the pandemic. People are starting to see really kind of how they operate. But it's interesting because this is a battleground for charter schools and education. New York City was quite innovative in this space and did a lot of work. And a lot of people we interviewed whose children go to Success Academy and some go to KIPP and so on and so forth, they are ecstatic that their kids are under these standards. And of course, when COVID came in, you know, a place like Success Academy was able to implement their remote learning and keep those standards high. That's the heartwarming part of these stories is these parents who are able to have their children get out of these places and go to better schools. But again, there's a cap on the schools. And on top of that, you have a group of people that are vehemently against these schools. So the charter school battle will continue and it will be aggressive in New York City. It will be on the front line of these battles. The hope is that they can expand choice for brown and black kids, for lower income families, for families who don't live near a good school so that their children can get a good education. So on balance, as you think about it, the spirit and the psychology of all these different people you've interviewed on so many different topics, are you an optimist or a pessimist about the future of New York? You know, it's interesting because I think New York City is one of the greatest cities 
in the world. I think it represents the greatest achievements of American entrepreneurship with skyscrapers, electricity, all the things that had been done, people coming over and getting off of boats. And it's rough and it's hard and it's difficult. New York City is not easy. It's never been easy. And so New Yorkers are resilient. New Yorkers are able to take a lot and so I am optimistic about the people of New York. I am not always optimistic about the leadership of New York. I'm not optimistic about the high taxation, the punishing prices. I mean, that's really the issue. It's a degradation of the quality of life that will drive those entrepreneurs away. And so I would say I'm optimistic about the people. I always am as one myself. The city, in my opinion, has essentially 30-year cycles, right? In a way, you go from Lindsay to Dinkins, and you have kind of a downslope. This is the post-Robert Moses years. And then you go from Giuliani all the way. And actually, to be honest with you, even to de Blasio's credit, he brought Bratton back as he knew he had to maintain the safety to keep the city going for a little bit. And so the question is, we are at a crossroads. Is this the downturn? Is this just a dip? My hope is that it's just a dip but I think it just depends. It depends on if the leadership is going to recognize the city for what it is. And that's a group of people who are willing to tough it out to do great things. Otherwise, they'll leave and you'll get a situation like what Ed Koch had, where he couldn't keep enough taxpayers in the city to keep it open. You've developed a fascinating series. What are your plans? How does it get distributed? And what are your hopes for it? The beauty of the series is that it is a slice of life. There's not really an agenda with the series. It is a piece of New York that people who've never been to New York or only have visited can get an idea. But it's actually really interesting. It's also a piece of New York where people in New York can see other neighborhoods and other people that maybe they don't see. And so we have released it for free on YouTube so that the pieces can be watched there will be additional content because, you know, these people all gave great interviews. They talked about a number of topics and their voices really represent their neighborhoods, their communities, where they come from. And so we want to expand on these topics because these are universal topics for New Yorkers. Safety is a universal topic. Quality of life is a universal topic. Congestion pricing, which we touch on, you know, which hurts tourism, which hurts businesses. It's all interconnected in the city. I mean, that's really the beauty of the city is that you take all these people from all these different walks of life and squeeze them into one tiny place and they all get along. Like that's kind of phenomenal. I think that this will be an ongoing endeavor to continue to educate people on the ideas and the issues that are facing the city. And look, hopefully the city gets better and then the series changes into something that's maybe more positive and uplifting. That would be my hope. So you see this as a sort of continuing chronicle of New York and its evolution? Absolutely. I mean, we are working on a project, as the films have indicated, that is longer and it's about how the city was turned. Look, it's one of the greatest American turnaround stories. New York City dropped dead, right, in the 70s. It is a beacon on the hill to other cities, to Los Angeles, to Chicago. If you go overseas, when you ask people, where do you want to go in America? They say, I want to go to New York City. That's where they want to go. And so I think that this series is not just for New Yorkers. It's for Americans, it's for other cities, it's for anybody who wants to come and visit. 
you have millions of people who have been locked inside their apartments now for a year. The city is opening. But during the time that they were locked inside, this creeping early 1990s element has flooded the streets. So they are not aware. They've never lived in that New York. Their heads are not on a swivel. They're not looking around. They're not paying attention. And you have this added thing. Well, big difference between 1990 and right now is that if you're walking down the street in New York City, you had a legacy of danger, so you were looking around. Number two, you didn't have a cell phone. You didn't have things to distract you. If you're on the subway, you're looking at your phone. You're not looking at the people in the subway. You're not looking when you cross the street. So you have a complete disconnect because these people have lived in this super safe city for so long and they never thought it would be truly dangerous. And they're going to come out of their apartments and they need to be warned that this is how the city is turning. Because think about it, all dining is outdoors right now. If dining is outdoors and people are putting their purses on tables, that's how safe the city was. You could put your purse on a table anywhere in the city and nobody would run by and grab it. That has changed. People are not prepared. I think that we're going to see a fairly rough time over the summer as people spill out on the streets and they're just not prepared for what is happening. You know, and so we hope that people watch these films and really get an idea that like, we don't want this to be this way. We want the city to be safe. We want the city to be fun. We want the city to work hard and we don't want to be punished for living there. What you're doing with New York will be one of the great documentary histories. You've always been remarkably creative and you've proven that once again. And I thank you, Matthew, for taking the time to talk with us and to give us a chance to catch up on your newest project. And I think it's one that uh, is going to go down in the history books as a real contribution to understanding this period of turmoil in America. So thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great honor being here and chatting with you today. Thank you to my guest, Matthew Taylor. You can get a link to his new documentary, This is New York, on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Sloan. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penman. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ever thought about owning a piece of history? Introducing the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition silver coin 
celebrates the historic Republican victory in 1994, marking a turning point in American politics. Give a gift with real historical weight this season. Order now at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.